My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 65, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 15, Deuteronomy 15, and Psalm 97. Numbers 15. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, After you enter the land I am giving you as a home, and you present to the Lord food offerings from the herd of the flock, as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, whether burnt offerings or sacrifices, for special vows or freewill offerings or festival offerings, then the people who bring an offering shall present to the Lord a grain offering of a tenth of an ephah, of the finest flour mixed with a quarter of a hin of olive oil. With each lamb for the burnt offering or the sacrifice, prepare a quarter of a hind of wine as a drink offering. With a ram, prepare a grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah, of the finest flour mixed with a third of a hin of olive oil, and a third of a hin of wine as a drink offering. Offer it as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. When you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or sacrifice for a special vow or a fellowship offering to the Lord, bring with the bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with a half a hin of olive oil, and also bring a half a hin of wine as a drink offering. This will be a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Each bull or ram, each lamb or young goat is to be prepared in this manner. Do this for each one for as many as you prepare." Everyone who is native-born must do these things in this way when they present a food offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. For the generations to come, whenever a foreigner or anyone else living among you presents a food offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, they must do exactly as you do. The community is to have the same rules for you and for the foreigner residing among you. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You and the foreigner shall be the same before the Lord. The same laws and regulations will apply both to you and to the foreigner residing among you. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land to which I am taking you and you eat the food of the land, present a portion as an offering to the Lord. Present a loaf from the first of your ground meal and present it as an offering from the threshing floor. Throughout the generations to come, you are to give this offering to the Lord from the first of your ground meal. Now, if you as a community unintentionally fail to keep any of these commands the Lord gave Moses, any of the Lord's commands to you through him from the day the Lord gave them and continuing through the generations to come, and if this is done unintentionally without the community being aware of it, then the whole community is to offer a young bull for a burnt offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, along with its prescribed grain offering and drink offering and a male goat for a sin offering." The priest is to make atonement for the whole Israelite community, and they will be forgiven. For it was not intentional, and they have presented to the Lord for their wrong a food offering and a sin offering. The whole Israelite community and the foreigners residing among them will be forgiven, because all the people were involved in the unintentional wrong. But if just one person sins unintentionally, that person must bring a year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And when atonement has been made, that person will be forgiven. 
One and the same law applies to everyone who sins unintentionally, whether native-born Israelite or a foreigner residing among you. But anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or foreigner, blasphemes the Lord and must be cut off from the people of Israel. Because they have despised the Lord's word and broken his commands, they must surely be cut off. Their guilt remains on them. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man who found gathering wood on the Sabbath day, those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly, and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp. So the assembly took him outside the camp and stoned him to death as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments, with a blue cord on each tassel. You must have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands, and you will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 15. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people, because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poorer people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I am giving you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you." If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelite who are poor and needy in your land. If any of your people, Hebrew, men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you six years, in the seventh year you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your winepress. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an all and, and push it through his earlobe into the door and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your female servant. Do not consider it a hardship to set your servant free because their service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand and the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Set apart for the Lord your God every firstborn male of your herd and flock, 
Do not put the firstborns of your cows to work and do not shear the firstborn of your sheep. Each year, you and your family are to eat them in the presence of the Lord your God at the place you will choose. If an animal has a defect, is lame or blind, or has any serious flaw, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You are to eat it in your own towns. Both the ceremonially unclean and clean may eat it as if it were a gazelle or deer, but you must not eat the blood, pour it out on the ground like water. Psalm 97, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world, the earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all people see his glory. All who worship Images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgment, Lord. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far and above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in his heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise His holy name. We left off yesterday in Numbers 14 with the Israelites trying to take the promised land, take the blessing, when God had said, not now and not yet, as a result of their initial rebellion and complaining. Their request to die in the wilderness versus being faithful and believing that they would not die because God is the architect of victory and would see them through to the promised land. They had forgotten God's deliverance from Egypt, that God is the, the victor in the story, that he delivers on his promises. Now, here in Numbers 15, Dr. Gary Miller describes how God is still gracious enough to keep speaking to them, to be present, to allow the next generation to enter the promised land, to atone for sin through sacrifice. In this story, it is the first reference back to the law in Leviticus on making atonement for sin. God is reinforcing that he is not soft on sin. There is a cost. He is just God, but he will make a way. Such a testament to his mercy that is also tethered and intention with justice. In this story, we are also seeing an emphasis on the foreigner or alien, bringing them into the story and acknowledging that they can be a part of the story too. This is so cool. There is also this discussion of sin at the group and individual level and what it means to seek forgiveness through the sacrificial way the Lord is giving or to harden one's heart and rebel in an adversarial, unrepentant way. The latter type is to choose self-exile and God will give us over to it. Whether we choose self-exile for pleasure, comfort, or self-righteousness because we somehow think we know better, it all pulls away from God and leads to death. It's the decision to ignore and revile. Remember the pattern. It starts with not remembering, complaining, drifting, and this leads to ignoring and rebelling, which ultimately leads to choices that start in the heart and manifest in the behavior, and these lead to exile if we make these choices. And a life without God, the source of life, it quickly runs out. Numbers 15 ends with the covenantal reminder, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. To me, it's that God-first, God-centered reorienting and a reminder of the way to prevent heart drift or heart hardening. It starts by drawing close to God 
to God's details, the story, scripture, prayer, the Holy Spirit. This brings gratitude, which strengthens joy and results in this humble posture of obedience. So sometimes in consumer behavior, we talk about this concept of perceptual vigilance, and it's this idea that we see things in a scenario that are relevant to our lives. So for example, have you ever bought a new car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere or you have been tasked with like, I don't know, gardening something and then all of a sudden you're looking at and you see all these garden things that were always there. The cars were always there. The gardening things were always there. My favorite is when I first became a mom, I all of a sudden noticed all the baby strollers and gear that was going on around me. And it's not like it showed up after I had a baby. It was always there. This is perceptual vigilance. It's what's relevant and inside your, at the forefront of your mind, you see it in the world and it's it influences the way you see and interact with the world. So perceptual vigilance, I think, is another way of, of, of thinking about focusing on God and drawing close to the details and keeping his story at center so that even if we're, even we are, we're living in this world that has all these other things going on, we're seeing it through his lens and it's the greatest prevention strategy that the Bible is giving us to avoid that heart drift which leads to alienation and exile. We end Deuteronomy 14 with the reminder and expanded instructions for the Israelites to create rhythms that echo back to the role God describes for mankind in Genesis 1 and 2, this creation and community care takers as a big part of what we're here to do. Here in Deuteronomy 15, there is more to say on what God is designing for rhythms. There is a rhythm described here regarding stewardship of land and natural resources and people, key components of economics. There is an inbuilt reverse or reversing of the economy where land must rest for a time and debts of people are released. The, t- the contest is essentially reset, and there's this modeling for the interworking of restoration and renewal. In a way, checks and balances are being infused into the rhythm, and at the same time, a prodigal generosity is established as an expectation for the people of God. Use your blessing to be a blessing, for the blessing is not something that we you know, close our hand around, that we earn or deserve, but rather it's a gift, and we are called to use the gift to be a gift, representing what God is and has done for us in the entire story over and over again. There is this importance of having an open hand and establishing the release of people and the rest of land as part of the created order for rhythm. I also love that God cares about the details, like how far away people are and in other places, you know, so far in the story. He also cares about what you can afford. He offers these modifications to keep the main thing the main thing. The purpose is right relationship with God, the only God, following his commands and learn, leaning, learning into our role in creation and at the same time, maturing towards becoming a kingdom of priests, which puts God on display in his way, helps others navigate to God for atonement in his way, interceding for others in prayer when mistakes and sin is present, and being prodigally generous, using the blessing to be a blessing. It's not about profit. By nature, profit seeks to take more than you give. It's about value creation and exchange and a rhythm which guides and guardrails that seeks to renew, restore, and redeem. 
Lastly, there is this emphasis on giving God what is first and best, not what is left over. This is a theme throughout the story so far. Giving God what is first and best reminds us that we're a part of God's world and that the blessing is His, not ours. It holds the blessing with an open hand and it centers God in our story. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.